Hey there, and welcome into another edition of the In Layman's Terms podcast. I'm News Channel 5 sports anchor and play-by-play voice of Belmont Bruins basketball, Steve Layman. Coming up on today's show, we visit with Oklahoma City Thunder NBA reporter Paris Lawson. We discuss Paris's career ascension from covering games as an injured student-athlete right on the Belmont campus to now working as part of the Thunder's broadcast team in the NBA. How she turned that adversity into a career. She turned injury into positive. We'll also get her overall thoughts on the NBA season and this Thunder team and where she sees herself down the road. Let me tell you this. She is going to be a star sooner than later. Make sure to like and subscribe for all future notifications on this podcast because we got an exciting list of guests all throughout the winter, and we hope to provide you, the sports fan, with compelling conversations tied in with Belmont and tied in with Nashville sports to hope that you get to see it in just a little bit of a different light. Thanks again for tuning in. And now our conversation with Oklahoma City Thunder NBA reporter and former Belmont Bruin, Paris Lawson. Paris, great great to talk to you. Hope your holiday season's going well. Thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. I am so excited that you guys have this podcast. I wish I was there while you guys had this podcast. It would have been so much fun during my time at Belmont. That would have been great. Well, you got so much going on right now. We want to dive into all of it, but I understand this is game day. You're right in the middle of oh, yeah. shoot around and tip off later tonight. I mean, what has this season been like and the craziness of everything going on around the Thunder? I will say it has been a whirlwind, but it has been honestly so much fun because, I mean, we'll probably dive into the Thunder a little bit more, but this season, it's the youngest team in the NBA. These guys are so fun. It's a different guy going off every single night. And so honestly, I'm going into this game tonight. I know we play the heat, but it could be anybody for the Thunder that has a good night. So I, it's just, it's so fun going into these games. It's, 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 I'm excited. And I know you know that the NBA is so different from college basketball where you play probably two games a week and you get a couple of days of practice between each one. NBA, it, it's every other night, essentially, for 82 games throughout the season. But right now you're in the middle of a stretch where you got seven games at home, I think over 12 days around yes. Christmas. I mean, how nice is that? This is like a staycation for you. It's incredible, Steve, because we just got back from the longest road trip of the season where it was five games on the road, but it spanned like five cities, like three time zones, 5,000 miles. So like being home and then being home over the holidays is a incredible but also very rare so I'm soaking it all up I'm enjoying it and I was talking to one of the guys that shoot around they're they're excited about this too so I want to back up here for a moment you're in your fourth season out of Belmont point guard on some great teams had some great experiences there but I guess let's start at the very beginning did you always know you wanted to be in media and and reporting and doing the sideline thing or, or or how did this come about initially It was interesting because um, I knew that I wanted to go into the media route. So I knew I wanted to be in sports media in in some capacity. That's why I majored in mass communications at Belmont. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know that sideline reporting would be my thing. I didn't know that just like the podcasting realm and studio hosting, I didn't know all of that would be a part of it as well. Um, So when I was at, when I was at Belmont, when I got injured, I tore my ACL three times. So like doing the math there, I had a lot of downtime <laughs> at Belmont um, while I wasn't playing. And so I just kind of 
parked myself in the athletic department and with our incredible guy, Christian Sadler, who is just amazing over there. And he really just let me do anything and everything when it came to sports media. So whether that's working camera for softball games and or sideline reporting for volleyball, I kind of got a chance to taste a little bit of everything. And once I got a taste of it, I realized, okay, this is something I, I actually, I really enjoy doing and I could see myself doing for a long time. So Christian and Greg Sage are both amazing and so oh, good with best. everybody involved because they're so passionate about what they do. They want the people around them and especially the students at Belmont to be able to live out their passions as well. And it's just so cool. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a place where so many of the students right. get as much great hands-on experience with major college athletics during their time as a student. That's what I try to articulate to other people is like, I was really blessed to have time at Belmont because I mean, that, that school in particular, my time in the classroom was incredibly valuable with, you know, the different professors that I had, um, like Rich Tyner was incredible as, as my professor there as well. But it was also like, I got to actually do stuff. I got to touch a camera. I got to, you know, work the switchboards in the, in the director or like in the truck, like do all of that stuff, learn how to wrap a cable properly, like all of that stuff is so invaluable. So by the time that, you know, I'm a senior and it's time for internships and like apply for things, they're like, what have you done? And I have a laundry list of, oh, well, I produced this and I, I directed that and I worked a camera here and I sideline reported for this versus like other students who are leaving college, like, okay, now it's time to gain experience. I had all of that stuff just already in my arsenal by the time I left Belmont. Well, and you're ahead of me because my photogs still don't let me wrap their cords <laughs> at the end of anything because they all do it a very particular it's way. Very particular. And, messing with it. and if you get it wrong, you will not hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That is right. And Paris, everything you just said there, it speaks to me kind of on a personal level because my story back in high school was I was a baseball player and I got hurt pitching my junior year of high school and missed the entire rest of the season in the summer. And that's really how I started in media. I went over to yeah. the local radio station in my hometown of Champaign, Illinois, and walked into the, the big station that did all of the Illinois sports and said, essentially, I'll take out your trash. I'll answer the phones. I just give me some experience to help me get going. Yeah. And that's how it all started for me. Uh -huh. When you look back, those injuries that you had, I mean, they had to be miserable at the time to do it, especially three times. Yeah. But as you sit here now, a few years later, do you feel like it was almost a, a silver lining or a blessing in your life, the way it played out? 100%. And even when I tore them like in the moment, so like I tore my first ACL my freshman year, and then I played my entire sophomore year. So I came back, I recovered, I was back. I played my sophomore year and had every intention of being one of those six-year athletes or not six-year, sorry, five-year athletes who, you know, they red shirt, it's fine, everything's all good. So I had a pretty positive mindset throughout those, that first ACL tear. When you start, when you, when you tear at your junior year, okay, now we're talking, okay, we're going to add another year, another red shirt year. Okay, things are looking a little iffy. And then I finally cracked the starting lineup my senior year. And then I tear it again, my senior year. So like 
the positivity levels for me were starting to wane in my junior and senior years. And it really like the blessing was that I had already done some of that, the, the broadcasting and the media work my freshman year. So I had that stuff to fall back on. And I knew that like, okay, I don't have basketball right now, but I've got this other really great opportunity that I'm starting to get really good at that I can hold on to, I can lean on and, and really hone and craft. And so that's what honestly like carried me through because if I didn't have basketball, like if I didn't have anything else going on, oh man, I would have been, I would have been just sitting there thinking about it, you know? And cause an ACL tear, the recovery is so monotonous. You're by yourself. It's like, can you flex your quad today? All right, great job. Like, can you, can you go a full circle on the, like, can you do a full circle on the bike? Like, can you make your leg do a full rotation? Okay, good job. And it's like, it's so monotonous. It's not fun. You're by yourself. And so if I didn't have like a, a great team, like just the people at Belmont, my teammates were incredible. If I didn't have them, I would be just, you know, super down and in the, in the, in the trenches um, and if I didn't have the opportunity to like actually sideline report and do things, it would have been so much more difficult. So yeah, it was definitely, definitely a blessing. Definitely a blessing. So you get all this hands-on experience during your time at Belmont in the classroom and, and on the network and on ESPN plus and, and all the various things. And it's time to graduate. Yep. And most of the time when people give you advice, when you're in communications, especially if you want the TV field, they tell you, think about a local television station because that's where most of the jobs are. Don't think too big of a market. Probably don't want to even think about Nashville, Nashville. starting in Belmont. <laughs> yeah. That's a no-no. They're telling you, you know, yeah. think think small markets. Don't even think about an anchoring job. Yeah. You know, just see if you can get your foot in the door. And you get your foot in the door with the Oklahoma City Thunder of the NBA. How did that happen? It was, um, it was a surprise to me, Steve. I'll tell you that much. And I mean, out of college, you're applying everywhere, right? And in my mind, it, I kind of went in a little bit of an opposite direction of the advice that I had been given, which was like, look for a station, like try to try to get with a, a news station. I didn't want to. I really wanted to avoid news stations because I came from playing on a team and I wanted to be a part of a team. And so in my mind, I was like, if I could get in with a team, whether that's like, you know, a soccer team, a football team, a, you know, baseball team, NBA would be incredible, obviously, because basketball is my sport. I know it like the back of my hand, um, but a team was the ideal situation for me. And so I really didn't look for TV or um, news stations. I didn't look for newspapers. I, I was really looking for a team. Um, and so I was online applying places and I saw Oklahoma City Thunder. And the role at the time was for digital content reporter. And it kind of encompassed just like game day coverage, community event coverage. Um, and it was mainly a writing capacity. It had, it didn't have anything on there for like on-air um, opportunities. But in my mind, I was like, okay, I've written during my time at Belmont and, you know, I'm doing a little bit of everything at Belmont right now. So this kind of, this is perfect. And I mean, it's the NBA, it's basketball. That's a sport that I could talk about until I'm blue in the face. So yes, let's go for it. Let's do it. And I got the job. I got the job. You got the job. All right. And now four years later, you've evolved into this role where you're doing a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. With the Thunder. How has it evolved? And what exactly are you doing now day in and day out? 
So no two days are the same for me, which I love. That's my favorite part about the job, hands down. Um, I, I write pretty regularly for the Thunder. So like post-game coverage, we've got like a written recap that goes up on the website. Um, I sideline report for all 82 games. Um, tonight, actually, I'll be studio hosting. So pregame, halftime, postgame, I'll be up in the studio with our analyst hosting pregame and um, postgame. And then I also host our podcast, um, our Thunder Basketball Universe podcast. So it is truly a little like smattering of everything. And when I started, it was strictly, it was writing and they had just, just launched the podcast and they gracefully handed me the keys to that instead. Would you like to be the host of our podcast? And, and I'm so grateful they did that because um, that, that gave me a lot of confidence being on air at that level, like in the NBA, they gave me a lot of reps. Um, so by the time, you know, when they offered me the opportunity to be on the broadcast team full-time, I felt pretty good about it at that point. And so, yeah, it, it, it went from writing and podcasting to writing, podcasting, studio hosting, and, and sideline reporting. So it was just, it's, it's really grown over the years. So there's a lot of different disciplines there, Writing, yeah. You get to think about every sentence you form within what you're doing. Podcast is this long form discussion. Yeah. Sideline reports are generally done in about 30 seconds to get it all done. And oh obviously God. studio hosting is all about the analysis and, and kind of being the point guard, if you will, of, of the broadcast. Accurate. Do you have a favorite at this point? Oh gosh. So sideline reporting has been like, my my thing you know I did it at Belmont it's it's fantastic being able to do it for the Thunder um but I just started studio hosting this year and it has been truly so much fun like I didn't I'd never done that before like really for a full show and it is a lot of fun you get to show your personality it's kind of like you get to you know add in your analysis when you can and you've got you got a lot more time to work with because you know, I, I liken sideline reporting to being like a three-point specialist, right? Like you come in the game, you got to get a shot up and you're in to shoot that three and you better make that three. And it's like, you, you, when you get in, when as a sideline reporter, you got 30 seconds and every word's got to be, you know, concise and precise. Um, but studio has been a lot of fun. And I'll, I'll say this, um, what I love about my job is that like, whatever the story is. So like in an 82 game season, there's going to be so many different stories and some of them are better suited for writing. Some of them are better suited as a feature story that goes on the website. Some of them are better suited as just like 30 second hits in a broadcast. And that's, that's kind of all that that story needs to be told. And some of them require like a long form podcast, a sit down interview. And the fact that I like, we've got opportunities to like tell that story in whatever way is necessary or best that's really cool in my eyes so I love that aspect of it um and and studio hosting has has been a nice little addition to the to the lineup yeah broadening your horizons and you're doing a great job with all of it I want to get into some of your analysis that put the analysis hat on here but first I want to kind of get just the lay of the land there because I don't know if you know this Paris but before I moved to Nashville 12 years ago yeah. I was the sports anchor at the Fox TV station in Tulsa for really? four and a half years so I was in Oklahoma at the time that yeah. first off the Hornets were displaced uh-huh. back when they were the New Orleans Hornets yeah. from Hurricane Katrina and they were in Oklahoma City for a while and then the Thunder moved to Oklahoma City before I left and we had the back end. So 
it was interesting because my first year there was the last year the Hornets were there. Okay. And there wasn't a whole lot of love from Tulsa. It seemed like just basketball in Oklahoma city. It was there, but it felt temporary. It didn't feel like a long-term thing. And so it was just very casual viewership and interest. Mm -hmm. Then a couple of years later, the thunder move in is the permanent team. And then you start to add guys like Jeff Green and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden. And they become this great team that I caught the very early stages when they were first forming together and getting into the playoffs like that first year or two. And then obviously they became great after that. But it was like lightning in a bottle. The moment they started winning and the moment they were truly Oklahoma city but oklahoma is a state's team all of a sudden tulsa cared and i found myself going over there just like going over there for oklahoma football or oklahoma state mm -hmm. football mm -hmm. and we were there a lot and obviously all throughout the playoffs we were there and it really changed my appreciation for it and an understanding of how much people in oklahoma city cared so a lot's happened since then they, yep. they had the rise from getting in and being cemented to the great teams to then the rebuilding after all three of those guys left and Chris mm -hmm. Paul's there. And, and now you have, as you mentioned, the youngest team in the NBA, what's the feeling around Oklahoma city now? Yeah. When you think about the Oklahoma city thunder and you know, 15 years basically into their existence. Mm -hmm. It's, so interesting because, and I love how you laid that out because you really kind of captured the, the timeline, like that first mountain that the team climbed there. It was, it was incredible. There was so much sustained success. Like people don't realize like it was like 10 of 11 years in the playoffs there. Like that is some sustained success yep. with that team, with that group. And right now you can feel in, in the city, in the state overall, there. The, the ascension up that second mountain is like that, that climb is starting right now. And it's so fun to watch and feel it because this team and Sam Presti said this, I think in his, um, his like preseason media availability, he mentioned like the group that we have right now, this Thunder team with, you know, Shay, Josh, Lou, the rookies that we have right now, um, this is probably the most representative team of Oklahoma as a whole that, that we've had because this group is so hardworking. They really are like, it's a humble group. Like they're, they're not worried about external, you know, expectations, evaluations. They're really like focused within their four walls and on just like getting better together as a group. They know they're the youngest team. They know that, you know, they, there's a long road ahead of them. Um, but even over the 20 something games that we've played so far this season, you're seeing like incremental improvement from game to game, from week to week. Um, and you can tell that these guys are starting to get it. And so I, from my perspective, like just as a, as a fan of the game, as a fan of the Thunder, I'm excited. Like it is very exciting and it is palpable excitement because there's so much potential within this group. They love each other. They're young, they're fun, they're exciting. And then just taking like a holistic view of like how Thunder fans view this team. I think there's a lot of optimism and a lot of excitement. A, because of like, it's, there's a, it's a talented group. It's a young, talented group and B, because this group kind of represents like Oklahoma and just kind of like the hardworking mentality that is in this state. So you combine those two things together and it, it, it's really positive 
like positive energy and, 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 you know, vibes going into these games because people really enjoy this team. You mentioned Sam Presti, the general manager, who to me feels like the Oklahoma City Thunder because he's been there yeah. since day number one. I'm curious, though, about this. I wonder what the perspective is in Oklahoma and Oklahoma City in particular, because right now here in Nashville, there's a lot of people discussing the Titans and the trade of A.J. Brown because it feels like letting go of one of those core pieces has sort of ended a window for this team in terms of championships and maybe that ascension that you talk about. And now people are talking about, OK, now they need some draft picks or they need some acquisitions to enter a new window. Mm-hmm. And when Russ and K.D. and Harden, they all left for different reasons and at different times. But is there any talk there about kind of how all that played out? And is it, you know, I don't know if it's buyer's remorse or second guessing, but are are there people in Oklahoma City still saying like, oh, if we if we never lost KD, if we could have convinced KD to stay, or if Russ would have never let, or we never traded James initially, the last decade looks differently. Do they still do that, or is it, has it officially moved on at this point? I'll say, Steve, from from my perspective, there's not a ton of that, to be honest with you, Um, especially just considering like the our minds have kind of been warped with like timing. So it's like that feels like an eternity ago, kind of in our in our brains. But I mean, the pandemic has happened since Mm -hmm. then. The Thunder was in the playoffs like two years ago with Chris Paul, like people it, it feels like so much farther back in our minds, but that was literally two years ago. And since then we've drafted Josh Giddy in the draft. We had Chet Holmgren drafted and then two other lottery picks in this, in this last draft. And so there's just been so much growth and a lot has happened since then that there isn't really a ton of looking back. And um, like I mentioned, just like the potential with this team there seems to be a shift in kind of like, oh, well, this is interesting. What's on the horizon here, you know? And I imagine like, there's always going to be speculation. There's always going to be like the games of, of what if and what could have happened if. Um, but generally speaking, there's a lot, of, a lot of focus on what's ahead and how, how could, good could this team be and what's on the horizon. That's, that's kind of the, that's what I'm getting so far, especially this season, especially this year. Well, the centerpiece of this team is certainly Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And I got to be honest with you, Paris, when he was coming out, I thought this guy's going to be a good, solid mm-hmm. NBA player. Mm-hmm. But I never imagined that we were going to see something like this. He's averaging 31 points per game right now. How have you seen his game evolve to a place where man, I think he's an all-star? It's crazy because so his first year in Oklahoma City was my first year in Oklahoma City. And so me and Shea... It just kind of like grown together, it feels like. Um, and so he, when he got here, he was on a team with Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul. To, so it was like the three-point guard lineup. So he didn't really have a ton of time as that primary ball handler, but he did so well off the ball. We saw what he could do in terms of shot creation and his, his mentality and kind of like moving without the ball. And then the next season, he became that primary ball handler. And 
every single year, Steve, literally every single year that he has gone away for the summer and come back, he has added something else to his bag. He has grown as a player. He has matured as a player. And so what we're seeing this year is like the cumulative growth over those, those years of, you know, experiences and lessons we're seeing it play out here. And it's no surprise to me at all what we're seeing this year, because we, we saw glimpses of it last year and what he added this year, he added the defensive element to his game. He's also like top 10 in the league in steals per game, which is something so incredible. He's six foot six. He's got this incredibly unorthodox rhythm about him, about getting downhill and getting to the rim. It makes him so hard to guard, um, even though, even though he's one of the league leaders in drives per game, like to be a, one of the, the best scorers in the league, but then to also have the identity of like, this guy wants to get to the rim. Teams are going to throw the kitchen sink at you to take that away. And yet in order to be a great player, you have to be able to counter punch to that. And he has added up his bag of counter punches <laughs> to like everything that teams throw at him. So it's no surprise to me of what we're seeing from him this year. Um, and truly he just continues to get better and better and better every single season, um, just with every experience that he adds to his, to his, to his arsenal. And the goal obviously is to put good players around him in this rebuild that Sam Presti's constructing. You mentioned Giddy Holmgren, a lot of excitement about a guy with that length and versatility and youth as his game continues to grow. What was the excitement like with that draft pick last summer and how has his injury maybe impacted the growth this team can have this season as they try to put it all together? It, there was obviously a lot of excitement and energy around getting the number two draft pick, first of all, and then obviously bringing in, bringing in Holmgren. And then just, if you look at that draft class as a whole, like, yes, Chet at number two, but then you also had the, the 12th and 13th pick as well. Like three lottery picks in one draft. That is incredible that is absolutely incredible and so it was a really fruitful and successful draft for the thunder so there's a lot of excitement for a lot of reasons um and incredibly disappointing obviously like when he's not able to play for the season because he's sh showed a lot of positive signs during summer league he put mm -hmm. together a pretty solid stretch there um but for the team i would say like there wasn't really any like fall back. It, and if anything, there was kind of a, kind of an optimistic outlook, like, okay, he's injured for the season. So he can still get better and grow as a player during rehab. I mean, I experienced the same thing being injured my freshman year when you're injured that young. I mean, you have to remember he's really young. He's 19 years old. So he's like essentially a freshman in college or right. you know a sophomore in college. So you're going to be able to bounce back. And from this Liz Frank injury, history has shown like people come back and they're, they're good. They're fine. And so he's going to spend the year getting better. He's going to, you know, work on his body. He's going to grow. He's going to watch film. He'll get ingrained with the team. He'll learn the lingo. He's going to be able to grow as a player. So when he comes back for his true rookie season next year, he's going to be great. He knows he's going to be able to hit the ground running. For the rest of the team, when you when you take away like a player who is expected to like get some substantial playing time, 
all that does is open doors really for other guys to step in and show what they can do out there on the floor. So we're seeing a guy like Jalen Williams from Santa Clara really blossom uh, like on both ends of the floor. He's a rookie as well, a rookie like Usman Jang, the other lottery pick gets a chance to go out there and spread his wings. And so it kind of allows, you know, other guys to have the window to showcase what they can do and the team can still grow as a whole. And that that's the whole point of, you know, the mindset that the Thunder has, especially coming into this season, being the youngest team in the NBA, the second youngest team in NBA history, only second to last year's Thunder team. Like the, 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 the goal of this team is to get better. That is their mentality coming into this season. And they can still accomplish that goal even with, you know, Chet's sideline for the season. So it doesn't really derail much in essence for them because the goal has always been to just improve as a group and be better next season. Well, it's fun to watch them grow now and it's certainly going to be great when Chet comes back. And the good news is at 19 years old, he can't really get into any trouble. He can't go out in Oklahoma City. So he has no (laughs) excuse to do anything other than rehab. Well, and I'll tell you this, he is a workhorse. Like he loves being in the gym. He loves the, like the work that goes into being a good player. And so like, he's not going to go out and like do anything crazy anyway. Like his, his, his example of having fun is like going to the gym and getting some shots up. So I expect him. Real quick, speaking of the roster, you mentioned Jalen Williams. You actually have two of those guys. Oh, yeah. You have any any bit of a hard time trying to decipher which Jalen Williams is which? <laughs> At first, yes. Just because, like, when they said, like, because the commissioner comes out and is like, okay, we're drafting the, the Oklahoma City Thunder drafts Jalen Williams. And then the Oklahoma City Thunder drafts Jalen Williams. And everybody's like, wait a second. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Um, they but, have like, the wrong card back in? You know? Yeah. <laughs> There hasn't been, there actually hasn't been as many mix-up as I imagined because as soon, like literally as soon as they stepped foot in the organization, they were like, we have nicknames. I'm J-Dub and he's J-Will. And ever since then, there has been no confusion. Nobody's gotten anything mixed up. It's been, it's been perfect. So I call the one from Santa Clara, we call him Dub. And the one from Arkansas, we call him J-Will. So, okay, yeah. They don't even have full names anymore. <laughs> I will just say as a play-by-play announcer, that's my worst nightmare. It's two guys yeah. on the same team with the exact same. Yeah. Name. But yeah. you guys have figured it out very well, that's for sure. Uh, last thing really in-depth about the team. We talk about the rebuild and the excitement that's going on. Obviously, teams below 500 right now. Looks like a playoff berth this year's probably unlikely unless things really come together in the latter half of the season. What's the realistic timetable do you feel like for this team, this group of guys to get back into the prominence that we saw the thunder enjoy a few years ago? You know, it's, it's hard to tell. And, you know, because really when you think about it, like I mentioned earlier, like the expectations for the group, especially internally is just to get better right and get better as a group get better individually establish a style of play because this is you know new team with a lot of new faces young faces they really want to establish a style of play and establish an identity as a team and they want to get better as the season goes on and so that's their focus so to like extrapolate that out and look like you know a couple years down the road or two years like it's it's really hard to tell um because this team is just so young and new um, but I will say when you mentioned the record, um, they're, they're below 500 and we just got off this road trip where those five games, the team went two and three, but they were in every single game. Like every single game was 
kind of winnable for this group. And if you look at their season, there have only been a couple of games where like, you know, they had an outlandish third quarter and they were just out of the game. Every single game has been like close. This group fights, they work and they do not give up. And that's been really, they compete. And that's been really fun to watch because, you know, especially just being a team that's going to be outsized and outmatched and, you know, be the less experienced in terms of years and age. They do, they put up a fight. They put up such a big fight. And so they're building all of the right characteristics. They're building all the right habits and they're building the right foundation that can set them up for success down the road. Um, now, what that looks like, you know, a couple of years from now, I, I really don't know. I can't tell you, but as of right now, the, the talent, the competitiveness, the energy, the effort, all of that, they're laying the right foundation that's going to set them up for, for success down the road. That, and that, that's the goal for them this season. So it's been interesting to see them kind of build that throughout this year. Okay. Aside from work, what's it like being an Oklahoman? It's so, it's, it's actually really nice because um, I tell people all the time, it reminds me so much of Tennessee. Like I was born and raised in Nashville or like in the middle Tennessee area. And so I'm used to the Southern kind of hometown feeling and Oklahoma is very much that it's, it's a little bit Southern, a little bit Midwest, um, but you know, slow pace of life. And it's, it's nice. Everybody's so kind here. And it reminds me a lot of uh, where I grew up. So I, I enjoy it. I really do. I remember going over there, hanging out at like Mickey Mantles and the little yeah, area around yeah. there, around the arena, around the ballpark. It's, it's for people who haven't been, both Oklahoma City and Tulsa are gems of cities. In they my really opinion, are. they they really are cool, clean cities. That the topography is pretty cool. A little bit more hilly and green in Tulsa than Oklahoma City, <laughs> but. It, it, there's there's actually a lot going on there. It's interesting. Right. I grew up in Illinois. I went to school at the University of Illinois, and a lot of my friends are from Chicago, Paris. And oh. when I first moved to Tulsa, none of them wanted to come visit me because they were like, Tulsa, like, what, what is it? I, I, they all envisioned either two things. It was like tumbleweed and cowboys on the street. Right. Or it was Chandler from Friends getting transferred there and the jokes they made about that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Back on, on that show. <laughs> and so like nobody wanted to come, but when they came, they were actually like, oh my gosh, there's a skyline here and you have yeah. restaurants and shops and a music scene and sports and all those sort of things. And it always was funny to me how much more impressed people were when they actually saw it. So do you get any of that? Like, are your friends oh, yeah. a little bit reluctant to come until they actually come? Oh yeah. And here's the thing. I had never been to Oklahoma. And in my mind, when I got the job with, with the thunder or when I applied for the thunder, like the old, I, I envisioned it as a big city because they have the thunder. And I was like, Oh, it's an NBA team. So it's gotta be like a big city. And I, I just didn't know much about it. And when I got here, I realized like how similar it was to Nashville and how, you know, it's a smaller market and things are a little calmer, a little quieter. But even in the four years that I've been here, like downtown has blossomed so much. So the arena, like the area around the arena, there's Scissor Tail Park. There is a huge park. They built an Omni right next door. It is, it's a nice area down there. The city itself is growing so much. Um, and so I, I feel it too. Like it just even in the four years, just four years that I've been here and there's been so much growth just being able to look at visually see the growth of the city has been really, really cool. And I will say 
as someone who is incredibly directionally challenged, like at, getting around is always so tough for me. The fact that this, this place is pretty flat and I can see Devon Tower from just about every angle of the city, I can navigate so well. I just like, okay, where's Devon Tower? I just need to follow, follow, just follow my North Star. That's where I need to go. <laughs> I was just gonna say, it's like the North Star of Oklahoma City. And yeah. by the way, the Omni is a big upgrade to the haunted hotel that you make everybody stay at when they come play. Oh, see, people have different opinions about the Skirvin. I've, it's it's really nice. I lied personally. I love the Skirvin, but I've, I've heard some stories. I have heard some stories. There are definitely some stories. That's for sure. I, I want to back you up here to Nashville, though, in Belmont. Obviously, yeah. this whole thing and your journey started by coming to play basketball. And we we detailed some of your story. But now from afar, how much do you pay attention to Bart's team and what they're doing this season and, and what they've been able to do the last couple of years, especially with wins in the NCAA tournament? Steve, even if I wanted to ignore it, I couldn't just because like they do so much so well and they just continue to grow and it makes me so happy. And I have so much pride as a former Bruin watching this group succeed. Like coach Bart is amazing. He is still like one of my favorite human beings of all time, just because of how encouraging and how much confidence he gave me as a player. But then also like, obviously he's was 100% supportive of me like sideline reporting during our games. Like he was just 100% supportive in that. So I have so much love for Bart Brooks. Um, but on the basketball front, oh man, it is so fun to watch this group. And I'll give you a story. So the NCAA tournament last season, that was the, the Tennessee game. Yep. Yep. So I, we were in the dead center of our season in the NBA, that game was happening. I completely forgot who we were playing because literally I'm sitting sideline with my laptop up, microphone in hand, like sideline reporting, but on my laptop, I've got my phone like up <laughs> with the game on, on ESPN, watching these girls go to work. And it is, it was, I, I couldn't stop talking about it for like the next two weeks. People were sick of me at the Thunder because they were like, okay, we get it. Yeah, you, Belmont, go, okay, go Bruins. But I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is a big deal. And so I have so much pride, so much pride. And I'm so happy for all the success that they've had because it, they seem, the, the organization, the, the program, the, the group, they just keep getting better and better and better every year. And that's incredible. How much more nerve wracking is it to watch than actually be out there in the court in one of those situations? I'm not going to lie. Like that Tennessee game, like uh, that was, that was the most nerve wracked that I have been as a Belmont Bruin, just because like the stakes are so high. <laughs> the stakes are so high. And I was like, Oh my gosh, a sweet 16. It's right there. It's right there. Um, but yeah, I would say they were about equal from when I was there and, uh, we were trying to get our first NCAA tournament win. They were they were right at right at, the nerve levels were right at the same same level. <laughs> Paris, what do you credit that growth in the program to? Because when you arrived, mm -hmm. Belmont was a sort of plucky up and coming mid major yeah. basketball program on the women's side. The men's side had been established, but the women's yeah. side was creating a culture of winning and the expectation of championships. Yeah. Now the expectation is essentially championship or bust, even moving into the Missouri Valley Conference. That's how far it's come. Yeah. Who or what do you credit that quick level of growth to? Oh, man. It, I think, so when I was there, 
we were kind of building on a foundation that was set before us. So like every group before us had kind of like done something else. They had, they had kind of broken through a new barrier. So the year before us, like the group had won the, the uh, OVC championship. It won the tournament, but they'd like gotten in that conversation of being like conference champions. And then when we got there, it was like, okay, conference champions. Now we got it. We got to be conference champions. And then we had, we had Darby Maggard. We had the best three-point shooter in the country. And we had Kylie Smith and we had Sally McCabe. And suddenly like, oh snap. And we had the defensive, you know, ace Jenny Roy. Like we had all of the, like the makings in this group who A, genuinely loved each other. Like we could not be separated. Our group, we loved spending every minute together Darby was a gym rat. She was in there every single day, like did not go two days without touching a basketball. She was just such an incredible leader and an incredible ball player. And when you had that energy of just like, all right, we have a good group. We love each other. And we've got, we've got goals. Like we, we've got things we want to accomplish. That's a recipe for some success. And so we were building on the team before us. And then my freshman year, we we got that we got that conference win or got that yeah conference championship, then the tournament championship. Okay, now we've got some momentum building, and then we're adding more pieces. And so in my mind, I just it seems like we were you know working to establish an identity or working to establish a character, but really it was just kind of like momentum building, right? Like we were building on the year before us, and then building on the success of that year, building on the success of that year. And so the group that is out there now is kind of like standing on the shoulders of like every group before them. And that's the beauty of it is like, it, I, I feel my thumbprints in, in there still. And I know like Betty Wiseman feels her thumbprints on this group too. Like it just, yeah. it's growing and growing. And I, it's, it, I, that's why I have so much pride is because like, I know I had a little making in that. Um, and obviously coach, coach Brooks deserves like an immense amount of credit for his ability to build a culture, maintain a culture, bring in some incredible players and people. Um, and then obviously the staff there as well there, they play such a huge role, but yeah, when you mix culture, like a, a really good culture with um, like sustained success, historically you're going to get you're going to get some some good success out of that and that's the thing i've found out going through everything with belmont over the last couple of years and even before that covering them just at news channel five is how tight the community is oh, yeah. is everybody pulls in together it is so fun to watch it build and everybody feels like they had a part from betty wiseman at the beginning through every single team and all the players you mentioned to this team now that's doing exceptional things and, and it's interesting too paris because as i look just from a media perspective there's kind of this like little group of media stars that have come out of belmont <laughs> in the last few years you got yourself Emily Proud, who's now CBS Sports 24-7, Madison Blevins-Hawk, I think Hawk, I got yeah. her name right, she's <laughs> she's off in Knoxville and doing great things, and, and Grace Chapins, I, I mean, there's just a lot of people who've gone through the communications and media part of Belmont that are now 
out in the media world and really making names for themselves. Do you keep up with any of them? And do, oh, yeah. do you rely on kind of the community aspect of that? Is okay, you've walked away from Belmont, but you're all kind of walking a similar journey. 100%. And I, so Madison Blevins slash Hawk is actually now with Valley Sports um, Southwest, I believe, or South. Oh, it, yeah. it's, okay. in, it's in Dallas. And that's the studio that does our pregame, halftime and postgame of our Thunder games. So me and like me and Madison have kind of crossed paths now where awesome. I'm actually going up to Dallas, uh, you know, I think, I think sometime next year to, you know, go do some more studio work and I'll be in there with her. We'll be in the same. So it's just so cool. It is incredible. And there's something in the water at Belmont, man. Like if you want to get into this sport media world, don't overlook Belmont because clearly, clearly there is a recipe work in there that has generated some, some success for, for their students. And I think it's that, like we talked about earlier, I think it's that, that hands-on experience, that really tight knit community and just empowerment from guys like Christian and Greg and um, I, I, uh, most of the people that you mentioned were also student athletes, but like coaches as well, the empowerment from coaches, um, it's, it's a recipe for success, definitely. Well, well, Paris, this has been a lot of fun. We're down to our final three questions. And these are questions that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, because okay. I think regardless of your journey, it tells us a little bit about you that you don't get from the basic stuff, the, the basic things that are your journey. It tells you more about who you are. And so kind of blue sky questions. Everybody gets it and the answers are different and, and no wrong answers. So just okay, that's good. Ever you got. So <laughs> the first one is if you weren't doing what you've been able to do over the last four years, if you weren't working as the woman of many hats for the Oklahoma City Thunder, what would you be doing? Probably coaching if I had to guess. Um, and I say that because I would probably want to still be around basketball as much as I could. I, I love the sport. Um, and when I was, when I was applying for jobs over the summer after graduating, I was coaching an eighth grade girls basketball team and I loved it. Those girls were so sweet. They were so kind. And I had so much pride being on the sidelines and coaching. So I probably would have gone down a coaching route if I had to guess. How'd you do? I was not good. I will tell you that <laughs> I was, I was, I had so much to learn and I was so used to like being able to go out there and just do the thing, like take the ball and like, okay, we need to, we need to score. We need to, we need to get downhill. We need to get in the paint. I'm going to take the ball and I'm going to put it in the paint. Like that's that that's what I was used to, but like having to tell other people how to do that, I was still working on that. So I, I had a long way to go and I'm glad this career path worked out for me because I don't know if I would have had as much success in the coaching realm. We may have to find you a co-rec team on the side so you can yeah. up that winning percentage while you're I doing know. your gig with Thunder. All right, second question is what inspires you? What is it that when you wake up in the morning drives you to get out of bed, get after it and and keep growing your career and do all the things you've been fortunate enough to do? For me, I've always been someone who is really driven by like um, getting better and like improving themselves. So like there's, there's two aspects to this. So there's the, I wake up and get after it because I know, I, I mean, I'm still like relatively young. I'm still relatively new to this. I've only been doing this for four years. I'm sitting next to people who've been doing it for three decades. And so I know that I've got a lot to learn and get better at myself. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of striving there, but then there's also the element of it of where 
I, I have so much fun doing this. Like I genuinely enjoy it. And I want other people to feel that. When you accomplish something, or maybe it's the end of a Thunder game, maybe it's the end of the season. Maybe you hit one of those personal goals or you add a new chapter in, whatever this may be. So this is really blue sky. You can do whatever. How do you celebrate those like milestones and kind of let your hair down and, and just relax. And we've had, we've had everything from, Netflix and chill basically on the couch to I go to the gym to work out to I go out and have the best meal on town I can do to I'm going to pour a glass of bourbon, you know, all sorts of those. What, what is your after you get done with the game tonight and you get back to your place and you want to just chill out, relax and celebrate a good day? How do you do it? Oh, I sit on the couch after I I, I decompress. So I like take, I change into my comfy clothes. I take all my makeup off and I just sit on the couch, turn on TV and just watch something that has absolutely nothing to do with basketball. Because like when you, when you have an 82 game season, right? Like it's a lot of basketball and you end up, it's, it's a lot. And so the way I decompress is with something complete. So I'll literally sit there and watch the office, like just watch the office and enjoy myself. But when it comes to successes and like, having achievements. I like to add those to like what I call like my cookie jar. So like, I think about it in the sense of, you know, if I'm ever down or like I'm going through a stretch where like, I'm not feeling the most confident in like what I'm doing. I feel like I've kind of messed up a little bit or I'm not feeling as good as I'd like to. I look back at that cookie jar of accomplishments and I reach in and I like remind myself of like, you've had some really great accomplishments. You have done some really great stuff. Remind yourself of that and let that carry you through whatever stretch you may or may not be feeling right now, because the likelihood is you're doing just fine. <laughs> you're just probably overthinking it, but I like to have that cookie jar just ready at the ready in my mind of like, okay, you, you've done good things and you're doing good. <laughs> Well, Paris, there are a lot of cookies in that jar, let me tell you, because you've done a lot of good things, that's for sure. This was a pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time on a game day, no less, and best of luck, continued success, and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Steve, it's so great to meet you, and I literally, anything for Belmont. I love that place, and I'm so grateful for everything that Belmont has done for me and my career, and so, yes, I'm, I'm happy to be here, of course, on a game day, of course. Awesome. Thanks so much, Paris. Thank you, Steve.